Welcome to More Living with Jim Brogan, your source of information for living the best years of your life, your way. For more than a decade, host Jim Brogan and his expert guests have come together each week to share important news and advice that can impact the lives and well-being of those who are retired and those nearing retirement. Learn about issues like health and fitness, financial planning, social security benefits, investment advice, and more. And now, here's the host of More Living, Jim Brogan. Good morning, East Tennessee. Welcome to More Living with Jim Brogan, where it's all about living the best years of your life your way. This is News Talk 98.7 WOKI. And today... We're going to talk about the first 100 days of the Biden administration, and then what does that really signal for us in terms of where we may be headed? You know, now that President Biden has been sworn in, and the Senate is evenly split between Republicans and Democrats, the House of Representatives is more evenly split. It's time to consider what tax policy changes could be coming your way. Uh, You know, they've Biden has proposed several tax-increasing measures on the campaign trail, and it's important to consider how they would affect you and what you can do now to plan for the future. Uh, President Biden has proposed several tax-increasing measures. He's he's proposed imposing the payroll tax on earnings over uh, $400,000. Uh, eliminating the long-term capital gains tax rate. And we're going to get into these, talk about the ramifications. He's talked about repealing the Tax Cuts and Jobs Act and imposing a 3.8% net investment tax on capital gains over a certain amount. Now, of course, we've already got some of that in the Obamacare plan, the Affordable Care Act, where we get that 3.8% extra capital gains tax. So the time to really plan for these possible changes is now. You know, there are several tax minimization strategies that you can use. Uh, So we're going to discuss these and more on the show today, including President Biden's tax proposal and what he could push during his first 100 days in office. We're going to talk about how Social Security and Medicare could change during Biden's presidency. Uh, We're going to talk about tax minimization strategies to consider and what elements a truly comprehensive retirement plan should contain. Now, the strategies that could work for you do depend on ultimately your unique situation, which is why I think it's important to sit down with with a professional who knows your situation and can adapt as things change. You know, a financial plan should be extremely fluid. So as law, and we'll talk about that a little bit today, but as laws change, as economic conditions change, your financial plan should be somewhat elastic, meaning it can stretch and ebb and flow, okay? So uh, one of the best ways to prepare for this is I would invite you to the class at the University of Tennessee that I teach. It's coming up on, on January 28th and February the 4th. Uh, at the Downtown Conference Center, it's adult education. So this is, you know, non-credit. It's for people that are retired or getting ready to retire. It's $59 for a married couple. Um, I believe it's $89 or $99, a little bit of a discount for a married couple. Um, but it's two two-hour sessions, and in that class, we're going to cover all of the main elements of a comprehensive financial retirement plan. 
So you can find out more information. The name of the class is Financial Survival for Retirement. You can go to financialsurvivalforretirement.com. Uh, and find out more information. You can download a syllabus, and you can click to register. Okay, let's dive into this. You know, we have a new president. We have a 50-50 split between Republicans and Democrats in the Senate. And then that, of course, makes Vice President Harris the tie-breaking vote. If they were split, the votes were split completely down party lines. So there's no room for even one Democrat to break ranks. Uh, So that makes it a little trickier in terms of some of the Biden policies and what the Democrats want. And so it means ultimately that to get anything passed, I think things are going to have to be more moderate and less uh, progressive. Uh, But his proposed tax policy changes could cause your taxes to rise in the future, and now's the time to plan for that. So let's talk about potentially tax-increasing proposals in Biden's plan. So Biden proposes increasing the top individual income tax bracket from 97 to 90, excuse me, 97, that'd be awful, wouldn't it? 37 to 39.6%. So a little bit of an increase in the top tax bracket. His plan would increase taxable income over $1 million for long-term capital gains. So if you have, you know, anybody over $1 million, I know that's not the most taxpayers in terms of income, but anything over the million that's long-term gains and qualified dividends would lose their preferential tax treatment uh, and be taxed as ordinary income. He did propose uh, itemizing, or excuse me, limiting itemized deductions to 28%. So what that means is if you're in a higher tax bracket, if you're in a 33 or a 35% tax bracket, any tax deductions you you take would be limited to a 28% tax savings. So in other words, if you're in a 33% bracket and you make charitable contributions and itemize your deductions, you'll still have to pay income tax on 5% of that, if if that kind of makes sense, of that that charitable deduction. You won't get it all be able to deduct on your taxes. And then he did propose, or he has proposed, imposing the Social Security payroll tax on earnings uh, over $400,000. So, you know, right now, your your Social Security piece of your payroll tax stops when you get up close to $140,000. And then anything over that, you're not taxed for for Social Security tax. So your payroll tax drops. The total tax drops from 15.3% down to 2.9%. Now, your employer pays half of that. You pay half. Your employer pays half. If you're self-employed, you pay all of it. Um, But then it's capped. So the the Biden plan would would reimpose the payroll tax, the the extra 12.3% or 12.4% would be imposed on income over $400,000. And that's significant because then, you know, you would be paying Social Security tax on your higher income learners that would not be increasing their, their Social Security base in terms of how it would affect their Social Security income in retirement. Okay, but again, that's, that's extra taxes for the wealthy. What about businesses? Uh, Biden proposes raising the corporate tax rate from 21 to 28%. 
Uh, and then there's a minimum tax he proposes on corporations that earn $100 million or more. Now, the corporate tax rate, from my vantage point, is a pretty significant thing. You know, this was a big initiative under the Trump administration to lower corporate income taxes. You know, at the time, you know, we had some of the highest corporate income taxes in the world. And so Biden's, you know, Biden's intention was to incentivize companies to bring jobs back into the United States. Increasing the corporate income tax from 21 to 28 percent, so the first thing you think is, well, does that discourage employers from bringing jobs back to the United States? How does that affect you here in East Tennessee? I think the way it affects you here in East Tennessee is, you know, if your business you work for is having to pay a higher corporate tax rate, then they may not be able to maintain the same employment levels. So, you know, this kind of leads to the to the thought of how likely are these tax increases right now in the first hundred days of the Biden administration? You know, we have such a slim difference in the Republicans and the Democrats in the Senate. And, and you know, it's pretty darn tight in the House of Representatives. Now, you, you're probably aware of the filibuster, which means that, this, the, you know, the uh, – the Republicans can block legislation unless they can get 60 votes to break the filibuster. Uh, the thing is, there's a thing in the budget recon- called budget reconciliation that the Senate can use one time in every budget cycle is the way that rule works. And so they could use budget reconciliation to try to get a tax increase passed. But again, how likely is that? So when we look at the economic realities of where we are, we are still trying to recover from a pandemic, right? And and this is going to last a while. Biden came out this week and mentioned that th- there's not a whole lot we can do at this point. The, the numbers are going to continue to increase. And it's, you know, w- until we get widespread distribution and administration of the vaccines, we're going to see numbers continue. And that means employers are going to be somewhat limited. Many jobs are still going to be shut down. And that creates economic challenges. Well, one of the things that, that we know economically is that it's kind of a rule, an unwritten rule that you do not increase taxes in a recession or in economic in, a, in an economically recessed environment. Yeah, but that's the environment that we're in. So now Biden is proposing only or primarily in, increasing taxes on, the, on people earning over $400,000. But, you know, that corporate tax rate's a big deal. Because that could encourage employers to lay people off. So how likely is it? That this will go into effect, you know, I don't know. Um, they could use the budget reconciliation. Would they get all the Democrats around it? It's just hard to say. Um, I think major tax reform in the next two years, with the narrowly guided Senate or narrowly divided Senate and narrowly divided House, I think a major tax restructure is very unlikely. Could there be some tax changes? Yes. I think that, you know, could could very well happen. But do I see significant income tax uh, increases? Um, I don't. 
Uh, now, is, is, is taxing income over 400000 significant? I guess that's up for debate. The corporate income tax is a big deal to me. Now, the, and one other big deal is Biden has floated the idea of eliminating the preferential tax treatment for long-term capital gains. And I got to tell you, that is a big deal. Long-term capital gains treatment is one of the greatest gifts that we have in the Internal Revenue Code, and it encourages investment for you and me. And eliminating that uh, eliminates a lot of tax planning opportunities and discourages investment. So I do think that's a pretty big deal. Uh, Again, I don't think that would happen in the next two years. Uh, I could be wrong. But the bottom line is, how do you plan for all of this? You know, I think we should really look beyond two years. Where are we going long-term with taxes? And how can you plan for that? And then how do you need to adjust your plan as we go through changes? So that's what I'm going to get into when we get back. So stay tuned as you listen to More Living with Jim Rogan right here on News Talk 98.7 WOKI. listening to More Living with Jim Brogan. During the week, Jim is a financial advisor, an author and speaker with an MBA from the University of Tennessee who specializes in helping people in or near retirement plan for the next phase of their lives. You can reach Brogan Financial during the week at 865-862-6800 or on the web at broganfinancial.com. And now, here's Senior Market Advisor Magazine's 2011 National Advisor of the Year and host of More Living, Jim Brogan. Welcome back to More Living here on News Talk 98.7 WOKI. This is Jim Brogan, and uh, I'm your host. We're talking about the first 100 days of the Biden administration. Um, and, and what are the tax likelihood, you know, of, of our income tax system? And I think, uh, you know, as I mentioned in that first segment, while I think that income taxes, you know, there's a, there's a chance there could be some changes. In the next two years, I don't think there are going to be radical changes. And the most biggest concern that I have would be increasing the corporate tax rate because that would discourage economic growth. And we're trying to come out of a, a recession here, you know, with the pandemic. Uh, But I think from a planning perspective, like how should you be planning your retirement planning and how do taxes fit into that, I think it's more important to look at the long-term implications of everything that's going on, you know, beyond two years. I think that in the next five years, there is a pretty decent likelihood we'll see a major change or we'll see major changes in our tax system. You know, let's look at the realities here. Our government, you know, between Congress and the Federal Reserve, put, up, put over $7 trillion into the economy last year. So some of that was economic stimulus from Congress. You know, with the CARES Act back in March, had several stimulus packages. The latest stimulus package was close to a trillion dollars here at the end of December, right? And then the Federal Reserve 
has been printing money and buying bonds, both treasury bonds, which then basically when the Federal Reserve buys treasury bonds, they're basically injecting cash into the monetary into the United States monetary system. So it's just feeding cash into the economic system. Now they've also bought. They did, for the first time in history, they did uh, purchases of corporate bonds. They, they kind of bailed out the corporate bond market in March, or I guess early April maybe. So they, the, you know, they, and they've shown a willingness to do more of that. Congress has shown a willingness to do more stimulus. And I think the amount of stimulus is likely to increase being a, you know, a Democrat in the White House and a narrowly uh, defined Democratic Congress in both the Senate and the House. Uh, so we're likely to see significant stimulus. So eventually we have to pay for all this. Now, I'm not getting into a big discussion today, guys, of, you know, should this be what we're doing? I mean, definitely some economic stimulus was needed. Definitely Federal Reserve needed to take action. So I'm not so much saying none of this was needed. I'm just saying there are long-term implications of this. And there are, you know, a lot of parallels. I mean, it's like World War II. There were a lot of spending was necessary, right? We had to fund the war. And our federal debt skyrocketed during World War II to unprecedented levels from that point, in, you know, up to that point in time. So it was needed. But then once we got through World War II, we had to kind of figure out what are we going to do about this debt. So let's fast forward to now, the the COVID-19 pandemic. Federal debt levels have skyrocketed. And our federal debt to GDP, so if we look at, that's the, the best way to measure the amount of debt we have is to look at how much debt we owe as compared to the overall size of the economy. So we, are, we, we owe more money today than we did at the end of World War II in 1946. And one key difference is in 47 and 48, we had two of the biggest surpluses we've ever had on record, maybe the two biggest in United States history, certainly since 1900. Well, that is not the projection moving forward now. We're looking at continuing to go, to go significantly in the hole to fight the economic effects of the pandemic. So when we look at the long-term implication of that, and we're, we're talking about more and more government programs to bail us out, more and more government programs to help support the average American, those are, those are precedents being established. You know, we're talking about, and again, I'm not talking about whether we should or should not do these things, but we're talking about forgiving massive amounts of student debt. We're talking about, I mean, we've even... You know, there's, there's been more and more discussion. It's, it's more of the far left, but it's starting to move closer to the middle and become a lot more mainstream. Talk of a living wage, meaning every American gets a certain amount of income, like a 1000 a month. And if you're not making enough, then you'll, you'd actually get a living wage from the government. But, you know, you, we have to pay for all that. So again, I'm not getting into a political discussion today of what we should or should not do. I'm just looking at the realities of where we are and where we're headed. And I think when we look at all that, we could see a significant change in our tax and our overall economic system in the next five years. Now, a lot of that will also depend on what happens in two years in the midterm elections. But when I look out to the long term, we have to have a financial plan that reacts 
and can be fluid and be changed as we see changes in the law and changes in the economic climate. Okay, so I want to just share a couple of examples of some uh, people that have come into my office here, uh, certainly in 2020, that came in in 2020, and some opportunities that we were able to uncover by being fluid and and being able to react. So uh, one opportunity is, you know, in 2020, there was a waiver of the required minimum distribution. So if you're 72 or older, you had to take an RMD from your retirement account, a little over 4%. So if you had a million-dollar IRA or 401K, you had to take out a little over $40,000, and, and most, if not all of that, was taxed. If you inherited an IRA from your well, – from anybody, from a parent or a sibling, then you would – you then have distribution requirements. And if, if the person died before January 1 of 2020, you know, you can, you, you're able to stretch those distributions across your remaining lifetime, but you have to take a minimum out every year. Well, in 2020, they, the CARES Act waived that minimum. And it was very, in other words, you didn't have to take it out in 2020. But then the law even changed mid-year because first they said, well, you, you don't have to take it. But then people were like, well, what if you already took it? And so uh, the IRS issued guidance that if it was, you know, if you took it after February 1st, you could, you could do a 60-day rollover and put it back in. The problem is what if you took it in January or what if you took a distri- – what if you're taking your minimum distribution every month? Uh, you can only do one 60-day rollover in a 12-month cycle by law. If you roll over more than once – you know, if you, if you took a check in January and another in February and another in March, you can't roll all those over under, under the t- typical law. So people were still stuck that took action prior to the CARES Act being passed. Well, then they, they offered more guidance, and eventually the guidance that was, that was offered and the rule that was in force with, you know, in a, actually, excuse me, let me rephrase that. It was the IRS changing the rules on what the tax law was, and frankly, the IRS doesn't have that authority to do that. Only Congress has that authority, but the IRS did this. So it's a, it's a precedent that was set, but they basically said any distributions you've taken from your IRA, if you have a minimum distribution, you can take all of them in aggregate, and you can put them back in as one 60-day rollover by aggregating them together. If you put them in by, you know, I think it was the end of August. The point of all this is that created a lot of planning opportunities if you're 72 years or older especially. And we had a lot of clients that did Roth conversions, you know, where we took all those distributions they had taken and we did some Roth conversion because we had many clients that were able to see 10 and 12% tax rates that normally are in the 24 or, or, or 20 or 32% tax brackets. And so we were able to adjust every time the the IRS passed, you know, more guidance and more rules. We were able to adjust and help our clients with their tax planning. So it's important to be able to adjust as laws change and economic realities change. Now, one other example is not many people think about the, the tax location, the location of their investments, and how are those investments taxed. 
Most people don't really think about that. So we had, I'll, I'll never forget, we had a, 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 a client come in. It was, it was actually, well, they weren't a client at the time. But they came in. It was in the fall. And, when, and they had a pretty healthy amount of IRA investments, seven figures, and a, and a pretty healthy amount of non-IRA investments, also over seven figures. All of their IRA investments were invested in capital assets, stocks, mutual funds, ETFs, you know, funds that grow, and then when you sell them, you can get, have a long-term capital gain. And then all of their non-IRA investments were in bank-type holdings that pay interest, and some pay dividends, but mostly interest. <clears throat> You know, there were some bond dividends in there, too. Uh, here's the problem with that is it, when you're in an IRA, you don't get any ta- capital gains tax treatment. So when you take money out, it's ordinary income. And the long-term capital gains rates for almost everybody are tremendously more beneficial to us than ordinary income tax rates. I mean, there's a 0% tax rate for long-term capital gains. If you're reporting total income on your tax return prior to deductions of $105,000 and you're a married couple, any portion of that that's capital gains is 0% tax rate. And then even at 15, and then as it goes up to 18.8 and 23.8, those are still far preferable to paying 24 and, and 32 and 35. And 37. So the long-term capital gains tax treatment is a tremendous opportunity. Well, in this case, this client, or at the time that they, you know they came in for a consultation, they had all their capital assets where they could potentially get capital gains tax treatment, and we could do capital gains tax planning. They were all those assets were in their IRA where we can't get capital gains treatment, and then all their non-IRA assets were invested where there weren't the opportunities for capital gains. So that is called what I call asset location and the importance of also what I call tax diversification. You want to have a mixture of investments in different spots from a tax perspective so you can take advantage of everything the law allows. You know, there are benefits to making a tax-deductible IRA or 401k contribution because you save taxes now. There are also benefits to having a Roth IRA or a Roth 401k. You don't get a tax benefit now, but then you get tax benefits later because those monies are eventually tax-free after five years and once you're 59 and a half. But there are also tremendous tax opportunities with capital assets where you get long-term capital gains. And those tax treatments can be tremendously powerful. So tax diversification is a critical component. And with where we may be headed in the future, we don't know how long we're going to be able to take advantage of capital gains, tax treatment. We don't know what's going to happen with our income tax system. And again, I don't think anything significant is going to happen in the next two years. I think we could see some changes with budget reconciliation in the Senate. But I don't think we're going to see aggressive changes. But looking out to the far, you know, a little bit further than two years, I see a significant likelihood that we could see aggressive changes in our tax system and really overall our over our economic system. So it's important. Tax planning is going to become more and more important than ever for retirees. Tax planning, you know, taxes are the highest expense you and I will ever have in our lives for most of us, most of you listening today. So what's your plan to reduce your income taxes? Because less tax means greater income for you. 
Now, when we come back, what are what are the Biden? What is the Biden plan? for Social Security and Medicare. President Biden has made several proposals regarding these programs, so stay tuned to learn how you may be affected by them. As you listen to More Living with Jim Brogan right here on News Talk 98.7 WOKI. show, television news appearances, and adult education classes taught at the University of Tennessee and Pellissippi State Community College. Jim taps into his extensive knowledge and experience to address issues important to living your best retirement. Join Jim every Saturday morning at 9 a.m. here on Newstalk 98.7 WOKI and visit him online at broganfinancial.com. And now, here's the host of More Living, Jim Brogan. Thanks for tuning in. This is More Living with Jim Brogan right here on News Talk 98.7 WOKI, where it's all about living the best years of your life your way. And we've been talking about uh, Joe B- President Joe Biden's tax proposals. How likely are they to pass, and what does that mean for your planning? And, and I think, again, looking at it over the longer haul is a way to look at this. Now, uh, I, again... Um, your, your financial plan should be very fluid, and I would invite you to attend the class at the University of Tennessee. Uh, I'm the instructor. The name of the class is Financial Survival for Retirement. It's through their adult education. It's a two-part class. Uh, you can go to financialsurvivalforretirement.com. Four is spelled out, F-O-R. So financial retirement, uh, excuse me, financialsurvivalforretirement.com. It's coming up on January the 28th and February the 4th, two Thursday evenings, 6.30 to 8.30. We are offering that class in person if you're comfortable with full CDC protocol for distancing masks and, and, high, and, and the, way we, uh, the way we disinfect all surfaces prior to the class. Uh, however, you can also attend virtually via Zoom. Uh, we're simulcasting it. So if you'd rather not come in person, you can be at your own home, and you can, uh, via video and, and audio, you can attend the class. So go to financialsurvivalforretirement.com for more information. Uh, my all my upcoming classes, I'll be at Pellissippi State in uh, Hardin Valley in... March, and then I'll be back at the downtown University of Tennessee in early May. You can find out my full class schedule at broganfinancial.com. Now, what about Medicare and Social Security? What is the Biden plan for Medicare and Social Security? As you may be aware, the Social Security Trust Fund, as of right now, is scheduled to run out around 2033, so in about 12 years. And at that point, payroll taxes would cover is projected to cover between 75 and 80 percent of what Social Security would need in order to pay all Social Security beneficiaries, which, of course, is what you'll be when you start drawing Social Security in retirement. So Biden, so, so what is Joe Biden's plan 
to address this. So he would like to increase benefits for low-wage workers, surviving spouses, caregivers, government workers, and those who have been collecting the, the Social Security the longest. So all of those things would actually drive up the liabilities for Social Security. And I'll get to how he's going to pay for it here in a minute. He would also make cost of living adjustments based on the consumer price index for the elderly. Now, I've got to be honest, I'm a bigger, big fan of this because it more heavily weights senior citizens' biggest expense, housing and health care. You know, your cost of living increases on Social Security uh, since, not, since the 1970s, it's averaged about a two, close to 2.5% increase per year in benefit. But since 2009, it's been about half that. It's been a little less than 1.5%, not quite half. It's been about 60% of it. Uh, and when we project future cost of living increases, we project them conservatively to be, you know, e- even a little lower than that. But this proposed, but, you know, cost of living for seniors or for retirees definitely is higher than that. You see that in your own spending. So health care and housing is a big reason for that because those are retirees' biggest expenses. And so this would create a larger, a, a better cost, a more accurate cost of living adjustment. But again, that's increasing liabilities with Social Security. So he wants to impose the, the, the most significant way to pay under the Biden plan is to, is to impose the payroll tax on earnings over $400,000 for individual taxpayers. So, you know, as I mentioned, the Social Security side of the payroll tax goes away as you get close to $140,000. It goes, it goes away. And then it would come back in for income over $400,000. So it's possible cha- – now, that's not going to pay for everything. I think eventually they're going to have to raise the full retirement age for people under 55 years old or who knows what number they'll pick. But when you lower the or, or increase the full retirement age, right now, if you're under 55, your full retirement age is 67. If they raised it up to 69, by example, that is effectively reducing your benefit. I don't think they would reduce it, certainly for people that are already over 60, um, and I don't know that I would see this happening in the next two years in terms of increasing something, you know, like full retirement age. Now, on Medicare, a bipartisan bill would simplify Medicare Part D prescription drug program and require insurers to contribute more money. And it would aim to save Medicare beneficiary and out-of-pocket costs. Uh, and they're projecting $94 billion in savings for consumers over 10 years. It would also cap annual increases in control and regulation. And then what does that do to prices? Does it drive them up and the government has to foot a bigger bill? Or does it keep them low or drive them down where the bill is not as high? Typically, uh, if we look at most industrialized societies... As you increase government-regulated health care, costs tend to go up. But we, we don't know for sure. Now, I've gotten a couple of questions. I get a couple of questions very, very often when it comes to Social Security and Medicare. So one question I get is, Jim, do I have to worry about Social Security going broke? Maybe, maybe Jim, should I claim benefits sooner rather than later? You know, the fact that Social Security would just go away, I don't think that's a significant risk. I just think it could change uh, fundamentally a little bit for people under 55 years old. If you're already there, if you're already over 60, 
I doubt there would be significant changes. The biggest change I could see is the is the is the taxation of your social security income. You know, right now, no matter how much you earn, at least fifteen percent of your social security income in retirement is tax free. Now, for some, a hundred percent is tax free. But it, but even if you're a high earner in retirement, you're. Fifteen percent, at least, is of your Social Security income is tax-free, and I think that's likely to change at some point in the future, where all of it would be taxable. But I think it's very unlikely there would be a a major structural change to your Social Security income if you're already over age sixty. And so, therefore, of course, the most common question I get: When should I claim benefits? And what should I consider? You know, in terms of claiming. Before full retirement age or at or later or, or you know, delaying to 70. And, and that's a hard answer because it is highly personalized. There are tremendous benefits to delaying Social Security, but you have to consider can you afford to delay? You know, if you're retired and you need income and you're not drawing Social Security, that means you're going to have to draw more income from your savings. And if you got your savings in delaying to age 70, that's no good. Because what happens in the first five to ten years of retirement has an extremely disproportionate effect over your long-term result over, you know, if you live 30 years in retirement, 80% of that outcome is determined in the first ten years. So, you know, it's disproportionate. So you don't want to gut your savings in those first ten years. So can you afford to delay? And then how would spousal and widow benefits affect all of that? You know, there are still opportunities with Social Security planning uh, to maximize benefits, understanding how spousal benefits work and how widow benefits work, widow or widower. Now then, another common question I get, especially related to Medicare, is, Jim, how can I plan for potentially higher health care costs in retirement? And this is a budget question. You know, we see statistics of how much a retiree might spend for health care in their retirement. Let's say for a married couple, it's a number, you know, over $300,000. Well, I mean, that's a scare tactic in my opinion. You know, when we look at our housing costs, we don't put a number on it of what we're going to pay over a 30-year period. We look at what our annual budget needs to pay. So with your plan, your income planning to pay health care costs, it should be just part of your annual budget. You know, we know that... For somebody 65 years old that's fairly healthy, maybe only has one or two minor issues going on, you're going to pay, all told, about 5000 a year for health care. When you look at your Medicare premiums, premium for supplement and out-of-pocket cost, it's going to be around 5000 a year, maybe six, you know. Now, if you got more health care problems, it could be higher because your utilization might be higher. And then as you age, when you get into your 80s, you're going to pay probably closer to ten to 12000 a year per person. So it just has a good retirement plan has got to factor in the reality of increasing health care costs into the annual income budget. And that's the way to plan for health care costs in retirement. Now, we're going to get to our last break. And when we come back, I'm going to give you an example of, of what a comprehensive retirement plan should look like. We're going to talk about a couple and how they could have multiple facets of a plan that could benefit their long-term planning. So don't go away as you're listening to More Living with Jim Brogan here on News Talk 98.7 WOKI.
listening to More Living with Jim Brogan. If you miss any of today's show or want to listen to it again, visit broganfinancial.com where you can access the podcast and other educational materials to help you in your journey through retirement. And now, here's Senior Market Advisor Magazine's 2011 National Advisor of the Year and host of More Living, Jim Brogan. Be sure to check us out online. Go to broganfinancial.com. You know, everything I do in my business and in the community is to help inform you to make prudent decisions that can impact the quality of your life. So I'd urge you to follow us online. We have tremendous resources at broganfinancial.com. I publish a blog about every week. I do some video content. I'm going to be doing more and more video content this year. We're going to be doing a lot of four- or five-minute video updates, and we're going to be doing uh, uh, also some webinars of 25, 30 minutes. So I'd urge you to sign up for that, for just to follow us. You can sign up for an e-newsletter blast. Our weekly e-newsletter goes out digitally. And it keeps you up to date on all of the content that I'm producing to help you make informed decisions. So you can sign up for that e-newsletter at broganfinancial.com. And it, it is mainly providing links to the content I'm providing, links to podcasts, links to my radio show, my dollars and cents segment, and my blogs. Uh, also upcoming classes. So go to broganfinancial.com, sign up for our e-newsletter. If you have questions, feel free to email me. I mentioned a couple of questions on Medicare and Social Security. You may have other questions on other financial planning items. Feel free to email us those questions. You can email me at askjim at broganfinancial.com. Again, that's askjim at broganfinancial.com. Don't forget my upcoming class, Financial Survival for Retirement at the University of Tennessee downtown. It's two two-hour sessions on February, January 28th and February 4th. I'd love to see you there. You can attend in person. We're following full CDC protocol, uh, or you can attend uh, virtually live in your home on uh, via Zoom. We use a Zoom platform for that. So we'd love to see you there. I'm almost out of time. I was going to go through a. Uh, I'm going to go through a potential client here or, or a, a couple here, uh, and 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 talk just a little bit about the multiple planning opportunities here. You know, Mike and Jillian are planning to retire in five years, and they have a substantial amount in traditional 401ks. They own an income property that they rent out, and they have a stock portfolio. And they want to maintain their current lifestyle in retirement, which is what most of our clients want to do. Uh, they're, they're adult children. You know, they've left the nest, so they don't have children in the home. They don't want to be landlords anymore, and they'd be willing to sell their property, but they're concerned about the large taxes on their gains, and they're worried about the stock market over the next few years. Uh, I can't tell you how often I get those kinds of issues that come into our office. And so there are a lot of ways that we can help somebody like that. I mean, for tax minimization, you know, there are ways you can sell a property and exchange it into a real estate trust. And you don't pay tax on the sale. And then now you're in a, you're a passive owner of diversified real estate all across the country. And you can be very selective of what kind of real estate that you get into uh, or even the region of the country that you get into. Uh, and But then it's, it's actively managed by someone else. It's in a real estate trust. But you get that 1031 exchange. Many of you may be aware of that, of how 1031 exchange works. You can exchange that into a trust and be a passive owner and still get that great income. 
uh, thinking ahead about the minimum distributions on those large retirement account balances. And in the early years of retirement is a sweet spot for tax planning where we can often do things like capital gains tax planning in a 0% bracket and, and Roth conversion in a 10 or 12% bracket. All kinds of opportunities here. And then with the investment and income planning, producing stability of income in the short term and then having great diversification so you can get long-term growth of assets that you don't depend on in the short term of income. It's it's okay to take risk as long as you don't risk your short-term income. Unfortunately, I'm out of time. I want to thank you for tuning in this week. Thank you to Chris for running the board. Thank you to Jill producing the show. Uh, Check us out online at broganfinancial.com as you've been listening to More Living with Jim Brogan. And we're only here on News Talk 98.7 WOKI. The views expressed by Jim Brogan and his guests are not that of Cumulus Media. Any discussion of financial, legal, and tax planning strategies is not intended to be individualized advice and is general in nature. Always consult with your advisor for advice specific to your needs. This program's content does not represent a recommendation of any particular security, strategy, or investment by Jim Brogan or Brogan Financial Incorporated.